0: Hello and welcome to Captivated Audience. My name is Marie Lundberg and joined as always by my good friend and professional colleague Sam Sheen. Today's guest is Peter Oakes. How's life Peter? Yeah it's all very
1: good thanks. You know we're, we're surviving here in Ireland and we're following the international standards on social distancing and social interaction and people are isolating and I think we're one of the first countries sort of to close down so we've been um Maybe closed down is not the right word, but one of the first countries to go into that mode. And yeah, look, I think the overall experience has been better than some people expected, but of course, you know, others not so well.
0: Please tell us a little bit about who you are, Peter, and what your professional background is.
1: I guess these days, I'm really a non-executive director of a number of regulated financial companies. I still advise financial companies as well. I'm involved with a law firm in Ireland and a law firm in the UK, and we advise on fintech, um, and I also look after a group called Fintech Ireland, and uh, that's a, a network here in Ireland where we map the uh, fintech ecosystem. And we do. Uh, we just started doing a number of webinars, and we also have a bit of an interest in fintech in UK as well.
2: Peter, I also understand you act as a non-executive director and a director. So how have you been keeping up with those roles, given that you're now not able to travel?
1: Those roles are all obviously in Ireland. So although I can't get to the board meetings, so the meetings just go online. It's not so much the, the board meetings themselves which has provided actually some, some benefit here. It's, it's the fact that um, we're in more contact now with the, with the management team. So I often have weekly phone calls, uh, which we don't normally do when you're a board director.
0: Could you please give us a little bit of background on the fintech industry in, on Ireland?
1: Last year, we uh, released our map, which maps the Irish Indigenous fintechs. And we had 178 companies on that map. And uh, we just released the 2020 edition on the uh, 17th of April, no, the 12th of April. And we have 230 fintechs across 12 categories. So there's been an explosion in the number of fintechs joining the map and obviously uh, setting up here in Ireland and growing from within Ireland as well. So obviously, a few challenges there for some of those firms, um, even though we've grown by 230, uh, two or three have disappeared off their business models didn't succeed over the last uh, 12 months or so. And some people have actually uh, done the uh, the B2C thing, which we always think was, you know, business to consumer. But in this case, it means back to consulting.
2: I was speaking to someone earlier today. We were talking about the rolling back in process. So we've gone from going into our BCPs and in a few weeks time, we're going to have to think about rolling back in to what is supposed to be business as usual. You know, what do you think have been some of the risks working as we have at the moment? What do you think people need to be thinking about risk-wise when we start doing that rolling back in? Yeah, well, I think the first thing
1: I'd just say is that, you know, arguably and technically, we're not really doing BCP. Um, BCP is all around, uh, you know, disaster recovery, and uh, we send a core group of people to one location off-site. We can't do that because of social distancing. So what we've got is actually 100% remote working. And I guess the challenges that, we'll be, that we will have in unwinding that uh, are based upon the challenges we have in going into that. If I'm able to, I just want to talk about those challenges we have going into remote working. And if we think about it, look, in disaster recovery mode, when you have a group of people going off site, then the core group is there. So, you know, the trading can still continue from that site. And risk and compliance activities can still continue from that side, as well as being complemented from uh, a remote, you know, remote location. So here, what we have is, for example, in the trading industry, all the traders working from home. Which is, you know, if you asked a regulator about that a number of uh, months ago, that's horrid That would never happen. And now the regulators are actually asking the firms, how come you don't have all your traders at home? How come they're still coming into the office? So they have forced those traders out of the uh, out of the building. So the two things you have to think about this area are as follows. One. In remote working, did you have the technical expertise and the systems and controls that would allow the trading platforms to operate from home, including where there could be things like when trades have to be unwound? And secondly, did you have the risk and compliance systems in place that could operate in that environment? And you had to answer yes to both of those questions. Otherwise, remote working wasn't going to work. So that's what we need to unwind. So the question then will be obviously trying to um, ensure that both of those two verticals, as I just used as examples, come back into the office at the same time. I mean, Now, we're not all going to arrive back in the office on day one. There's going to be a phasing in, of course, and probably even once we do phase back in, I wouldn't be surprised if social distancing isn't continued inside the office environment somehow. I also think one of the, one of the points that came up in a discussion I had with someone recently was they've been downloading a whole pile of tools, um, remote tools they could utilize to help make their job easier. But none of the software platforms have ever gone through a risk assessment by their IT department or their risk and compliance department. So, you know, you will talk about this probably a bit later on, there's a the risk of, uh, you know, potential uh, worms and viruses in those sort of platforms, or uh, could they be susceptible to hackers? So, they're just a couple of examples of things you would want to think about. And as, at the board level, what we're thinking about are the policies, procedures, the systems and controls and making sure that these are going to work and we meet our ICAP requirements and, and all these other reg- regulations we have.
0: Technology, it's mostly, I mean, fintech companies is depending upon their people working and that's really the skill set. So how do you make sure that they are staying you know, fit and healthy and working from home and remotely?
1: Uh, Well, obviously, you have to check in with the staff, okay? Um, That's really important. Also, because of rules and regulations, don't forget, because some of these people are pre-approved functions. If they're suddenly not available, say, what are those got struck down by the virus, or how do you supplement or how do you ensure that their role continues, right? So, you know, I think it's just one of these things that you just focus on as a management team and a board and make sure that you stay in contact with your staff and listen to them take their feedback on what's working and what's not working in remote
0: situation because ultimately the fintech depends on the people working for there. they're the greatest assets right it's the brains
1: yes they are the brains but the hint is in the word fintech right so it is the marriage of financial services which you know predominantly years ago was all run by human beings and now it's married into technology
2: so peter i don't know if you've seen a couple of my posts on LinkedIn where I've been communicating the UK regulators' expectations around what people should do in relation to KYC. They've reiterated some measures that can be taken to do remote KYC. And today, really interestingly, there was a post about whether you need a wet signature or can rely on an electronic one. Are you getting similar signalling from the Central Bank of Ireland? No,
1: uh, we're not. I imagine that's because when we drafted the Legislation that implemented the fourth AML directive. And even the guidelines here in Ireland, they're not as detailed as they are in the UK, whereas the UK guidelines go on for what, two, three lever-arch folders now? Um, Ours probably sits in about a 112-page document. So some people would be critical of that saying, I don't get enough guidance from the regulator and it's not sufficient. But actually, in these circumstances, the guidance is more than sufficient, allows the management team to do what they should do, and that is make risk-based approach decisions. So there isn't anything in the guidance that says you can't accept, you can only accept a wet signature. It allows the firm to determine what's the most appropriate control in place for its business. Now, having said that, this is just in relation to the onboarding of customers under Financial Services Law. Don't forget, in the United Kingdom, last year you had a consultation on the signing of documentation, including the execution of deeds. And I am—I had to recently review all that because I'm working with a um, an AISP over in the UK where um, everything will be done electronically and. discussion with the regulator about getting a wet signature from a witness on a document, but in fact, even the UK consultation paper, the Law Commission and the Society says otherwise. So look, in Ireland, no, we haven't had that. But what we have had is the regulator remind us to ensure that our standards don't slip while we're working remotely.
2: So what do you think of that comment that was in the Financial Times? It seems to be suggesting a contrary view that somehow doing KYC remotely poses a greater financial crime risk. To financial services
1: firms that have been onboarding remotely, and I've worked for a number of them in the UK, right, it's second nature for them, so there's no change. I think the risk is where you're going from a wet signature-based operation in a 24-hour period to something that's different. So, like, I was surprised by some of the comments I read in the paper um, last week where unnamed compliance specialists were saying this is a risk that uh, the FCA is introducing into the, the marketplace, right? It's a risk for sure if a company has never done this before, but for all those companies that have done this, especially um, that are utilising great regulatory technology applications, this is just business as usual, isn't it?
0: Peter, what makes Ireland such an appealing jurisdiction to base, you know, regulated fintech firms on? Okay, so I
1: think it is um, an attractive place, but there's a lot of competition out there in Europe, across Eastern Europe as well, um, for fintechs to set up. So if you look at Ireland's argument, um, and unfortunately, we just have to talk about Brexit here for a very short uh, second. And that's by the end of this year, subject to any other changes, the transition period comes to an end. So any UK financial services firm that does not have a second home yet in Europe is going to need one. And so Ireland has picked up on that. And I guess English-speaking language, highly educated workforce, we have a common law system like the UK, it makes us attractive to other common law jurisdictions from uh, the UK, Australia, and also to the States. So that, that's a positive. We are a small environment. And I think that, though, is also a negative because what I am also hearing is that it's very difficult sometimes to recruit in this market. And we have a dearth. We, we probably need a few more software development and software engineers in Ireland. We seem to have a good... A good number of risk and compliance people in that that regard. But again, the war for talents uh, is a challenge that we all face.
2: Six weeks in, what are you doing to keep sane? Well, I'm trying not to read the news.
1: You know, the first week or so, sleeping in and stay was great fun. But actually, I think what's really important is keeping up your contacts at the moment as well. If you're in the um, financial risk game as well, making sure you are talking to your colleagues, both current colleagues, maybe some of your former colleagues. Um, and also be prepared to reach out and talk to people who may be having a tough time at the moment. I mean, I, I, self-isolation doesn't mean um, uh, locking yourself down from, from dialogue.
0: Thank you so much, Peter, for taking the time out of your busy day to be here and talking to us and giving us a little bit of the lay of the land on the Green Island.
1: Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Samantha. Delighted to be here and um, and, and all the best for the future podcast.
0: And that's it for Captivated Audience. If you want to do like Peter to be a part of the podcast, If you have some suggestions on interesting topics to discuss, please drop us a line on captivatedaudience.eu or simply just on LinkedIn. Thank you and stay safe.